0: Thank you, praise team. All right, kids, I think we got a few of you back there. Why don't you come on up here for just a minute? Come on up. Why don't you all teach me something this morning? So how's everybody doing? Everybody doing well? Doing good? Are you... You doing good this morning? Okay. Well, I'm sure looking forward to having some cookies. How about you? Yeah, Yeah. good cookies. I went out there a while ago. There's a bunch of them, too. We can, eat. We can spend the rest of the day here eating cookies. Yeah, that's right. Well, I'd like to know how many of you guys have a very special toy, maybe a stuffed animal, right here. A stuffed unicorn. That's your most favorite. Yeah. Most favorite. Okay, what you got, hun? Uh, I got a kitty corn. She does have a kitty corn okay. Corn wow. Okay, and that's your most favorite, right? No, that's, your most favorite. that's your most favorite. right there. Okay, what you got, hun? Kitty get- cat. Get- oh, okay. Very good. What you got? You got a special stuffed animal or toy that you like? A dog. A dog. Both of you got dogs. All right. Well, yeah, what you got, Bree? Can it be a real animal? Huh? Can it be a real animal? A real animal. Okay. jack, jack. And what is? Jack-Jack's my favorite dog. Your favorite dog. Okay, one more. Toby. What's that? Toby? Toby. Okay. Wow, we got one right here. Raven, my dog. What's that? Raven, my dog. Raven, your dog. Very, very special things that we have, right? Whether they're living or maybe uh, a toy, but they're very special to us. The most special, more special than anything else that we have. Is God. We, we uh oh. Except what? Is God. Oh, my goodness. got ahead of me on that. But you know what, guys, what we're going to talk about here for just a moment is what we call honor and respect. So when we have a special pet or a special stuffed animal that we like to play with or whatever that is, and it's the most special one that we have, we raise that up high, higher than the rest of what we have, and honor. You know, when I do weddings... You know what we do before the bride comes down the aisle? I have everybody stand up. You know why we do that? In honor of the bride. bride. That's right. Now, on a sadder note, but it still means something. When I conduct funerals, I ask the people to stand when we bring the family in. Why do we do that? In In honor of the family. That's right. Why do we uh, place our hand over our heart when we do the Pledge of Allegiance? To honor God God and country. country Okay. So you see, we honor these things and we do certain things to let, to, to express that we hold this in high respect, in the highest respect. How about mom and dad? <laughs> Shannon, uh, Keith, I'd like to meet with you after church. <laughs> What's the Bible say? Uh, they should be all the way to the roof. Well, <laughs> just under God, right? <laughs> but guys this is this is what the scripture teaches that we're to honor our parents Hello. honor our parents yeah and we respect our parents because your parents are God's gift to you your parents are God's gift to you and you're God's gift to them isn't that awesome so we want to honor our parents and and respect them right does that does that make sense Yes, they do. That is a great question and I will, I, that's worth repeating. Do our parents need to respect us too? And the answer is absolutely and I could just take off preaching on that one because I see too often parents have no respect for their own children. I've seen it, and it's a tragedy it's a tragedy so yes, Bree, you're exactly right that you. <laughs> Bree, I don't know what I'm going to do with you. Do you know why mom and dad may discipline you once in a while and, and kind of get after you if you do something wrong? You ever thought of that? Yeah. Because they honor and respect you and they want to keep you safe and keep you on the right path. That's love. Guys, that's love. God corrects us once in a while. Why does he do that? Because he loves us. He loves us, okay? So we've just learned a little bit about honor and respect, okay? Can we pray together? All right. Father, I thank you that we have a God that is worthy, worthy, alone is worthy of all honor and praise because you alone are God. And so, Father, we want to lift you high. Uh, Every moment of our life, may you be the most important thing in our life. And we ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, guys. So, how's everybody else doing this morning? Doing good, superb, outstanding. Well, uh... It's been a it's been a very busy week. It has been a great week. I have seen Christ uh, exalted in so many ways this week through interaction with people, and and we had the opportunity to uh, to join with uh, uh, Lansing Correctional Facility and uh, what do you call that, Gary? Community night, Thursday night live, Thursday night live, Thursday night live. Uh, worship and praise, and we hadn't been in for what three years. Yeah, and because of COVID, and, and I want to tell you something, folks, we had church. We had church, and God was glorified, Christ was exalted, and uh, lots of prayers and lots of praise, so it was good. And I do have my shoulder surgery rescheduled. Uh, they wanted to do it next week, and, and, uh, and, uh, but anyway, uh, basically, I met with them, and I said, I have, I have Ray Shoemates my hero. And whatever Ray had done, I want done, and, because I want to be just like Ray. And, and so, Ray, I've got, I've got a shoulder replacement scheduled, okay? What one did you have? For those who are listening online I are watching, I understand these conversations put you at a disadvantage, so I'll look at the camera, uh, and I do apologize for that, but there are some things that are just not worth hearing, so <laughs> don't worry about it, okay? Uh, so just one update, I think we uh, updated everybody on uh, Floyd Boss, Wilbur, Lub- Wilbur Ludlam is doing well, uh Ken Heron is at uh, uh Aldersgate Village in uh, uh rehabilitation, uh, what do they call it, physical therapy. And uh Ruth Bryson has been transferred to Brookside uh so uh for some from rehab and and healing. Uh did I miss anybody? Uh Floyd Boss is home, I know. Uh, I also want us to lift up uh, a dear brother in Christ, uh Floyd Good. I want us to be praying for Floyd Good. Okay? Spoke with him a couple of weeks ago and, and uh, just needs our prayers. So with that being said, let's have a word of prayer. Let's dive into our text this morning. And I want to say Adam has really done a beautiful job of introducing uh, the text and the message uh, here this morning through his communion meditation. So, Father, we come in the name of Jesus to thank you for this opportunity. Thank you for that moment with the children where we can uh, just get a glimpse of what's going on in them busy little hearts and minds, and Father, it's it's good, it's good, and I thank you that they have the the openness, the uh, uh, to to just share and talk and and feel like they really are a part of this church. That's so important. They are a part of this church, and I thank you for that. We pray for those who are still recovering from surgery, from from accidents, from illnesses, uh, Father, uh, recovering from uh, sorrow and grief. Uh, Father, we've had it all, we've had it all, and you are Lord over all. So in that, we give thanks, and we pray now that you would take us through the message. May we listen very carefully to what you have to say, in Jesus' name, amen, amen. We are in the shadow of the cross in our journey with the Lord. It is Passover. The Lord is about to celebrate His last Passover meal here on this earth, but He is also about to turn things upside down during this very intimate and personal time with His disciples. So with that being adequate for the introduction, let's stand at the reading of God's Word. We are in Luke chapter 22, verses 14 through 23. And when the hour came, he, Jesus, reclined at the table and the apostles with him. And he said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he said, But behold, the hand of him who betrays me is with me on the table. For the Son of Man goes as has been determined, but woe to that man by whom he is betrayed. And they began to question one another, which of them it could be who was going to do this. Father, I pray that you add your blessing to the reading of your word, and that by the power of the Holy Spirit, we will be refreshed, renewed, Convicted if needs, uh, need be, but Father, make these truths live in our heart. In Jesus' name, amen. Please be seated. The Lord's Supper, what we call the Lord's Supper or communion, began as Jesus' final Passover meal with his disciples. It was the night of his arrest, the night of his betrayal. And he distributes bread and he, and he passes around this cup. And he said, do this in remembrance of me. Oh, wait a minute. Things are already changing a little bit. The Passover meal would have been traditionally in remembrance of what happened in Egypt when God's people were called out of bondage. And now Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me. They hadn't connected the fact that he was there in the Exodus. (laughs) He was the lamb. He was the blood on the doorpost. Do this in remembrance of me. And we might even conclude if Paul hadn't uh, hadn't brought this into the letter to the church at Corinth, we could almost conclude that it was just for that night. But it wasn't. Paul tells the church at Corinth that we are to do this thing called communion. We are to take this bread. We are to take this cup. And remember the sacrifice of Christ. So it was a, a a proclamation, a call it a perpetual remembrance of Christ's passion on the cross. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, Paul writes, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. So it's prophetic. It's not only perpetual as we live out our lives here on this earth, but it's prophetic. Jesus is coming back. And part of communion, and I'm I'm afraid sometimes we miss this, part of communion is proclaiming that truth. And after this meal, Jesus would have girded himself with a towel and washed the disciples' feet, according to John's account of this evening establishing forever the humility of the Son of God and a model for service. The Passover feast opened with a prayer of thanksgiving, followed by the drinking of the first of four cups of wine. Next they ate the bitter herbs and sang Psalms 113 through 114. Then they drank the second cup of wine and began eating the lamb and the unleavened bread. And after drinking the third cup of wine, they sang Psalms 115 through 118. And then the fourth cup was passed among them, and it is likely that between between the third and fourth cups of wine Jesus might have instituted the supper if things would have followed normal Passover meal order. And he broke a piece of unleavened bread and he gave thanks, guess what? There's his prayer. In the middle of this text, and remember this series is about the prayers of Jesus, he gave thanks. But folks, this is way beyond the common, Lord, thank you for this food. Way beyond what we normally think of as giving thanks So do we see or what we see in this event so profound, so pivotal that I think there's three areas of examination that we can use this morning. And the first one of those by way of preaching points, Jesus showed or demonstrated a desire that was passionate, personal, and prophetic. He said, when, and the scripture says, and when he hour had come, he reclined at the table, the apostles with him, and he said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you. Think about that. This, this great uh, uh, event of, of communion can, can have the appearance of being so simplistic. This, just observing a, a centuries-old tradition. But Jesus said it was this moment. It was this moment right here. It was this exact time in history that I have longed for ever since the people came out of Egypt. I've been waiting for this moment. Isn't that awesome? And what was this moment all about? Suffering and dying. Suffering and dying. Jesus had been looking forward to this night ever since the first Passover, when the angel of death passed over the children of Israel. And now he comes to this moment, not with dread, not with fear, but with fervency. I have earnestly desired to have this moment with you. Jesus was about to provide freedom from sin that would be available to all humanity. The first exodus Exodus provided freedom from bondage, Freedom from slavery, and now he says, I'm going to set you free from the bondage and slavery of sin. Guys, if you haven't caught it already, there's a real connection between the original Passover and the one that Jesus is observing with his disciples. It was personal. You know, John the Baptist proclaimed, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. The Lord approached this moment not with that fear, but with excitement. It was intimate. He is pursuing this same relationship with you this morning. Personal, personal, intimate He desires you to understand his great love and his compassion. Allow him, please, to set you free from the bondage of sin and condemnation as surely as he set the children free out of the bondage of Egypt. But not only has he desired this moment, he is anticipating the next when he sits with all of us, every believer, when the kingdom of God is fully established and when it comes in its fullness And this is our record of what that might look like. Then I heard what seemed to be a voice of a great multitude, like the roar of many waters and like the sound of mighty peals of thunder crying out, hallelujah, for the Lord our God almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and exult and give him the glory for the marriage of the lamb has come. And the bride has made herself ready. It was granted to her to clothe herself with fine linen, bright and pure. For the fine linen is the righteous deeds of the saints. And the angel said to me, write this. Blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. There it is. Are you holding your invitation? You see, you don't get that until you profess Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior then your invitation will be issued immediately for this supper. So we have this fervent desire to establish what we now know as communion or the Lord's Supper. Secondly, we see a disclosure of a new covenant. The disclosure of a new covenant that he himself was going to establish we have, we have this. Well, let's read the text again, please. And he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in, remember of me, in remembrance of me. And likewise, the cup, after they had eaten, saying, this cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. But this prayer of thanksgiving, this simple, common prayer heard at most Christian homes at mealtime, Thank you for this food. Thank you for what we have to eat today. Thank you, Lord. Oh, but there is a difference so profound and so amazing. And this is where I was frozen solid Thursday morning as I prepared this message. Have you ever heard of of, of writer block? Well, Thursday was one of those mornings. I typically come in very early and, and do the final prep on this message. And I had trouble getting started. I didn't know where to go. I had all these notes scattered all over my desk. And I had no, I didn't have any idea what the first word was going to be. And then everything really came together. And then I got to this point and everything froze. Everything stopped. It was like everything that I knew had just been revealed to me again for the first time. Listen to this. He took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them. Wait, wait. This is my body, which is given for you. What? Do you see it? You know where I'm going yet? Jesus just gave thanks for his body, represented in the bread. Now, let's think about that. In one quick, sweeping statement, Christ has proclaimed the eternal purpose of the incarnation. He is literally saying, thank you, Father, that I have this body that is now able to suffer and die. He is giving thanks for what the Father and the Holy Spirit has provided. A body that can serve as the final sacrifice. The Son of God is now the Passover Lamb. A body that can be broken. A body that can bleed. A body that can pour out the life-giving elements that make us live. And all because it was necessary for the forgiveness of sins once and for all. And likewise the cup, after they had eaten, saying, the cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. And the scripture says specifically, and likewise he took the cup. There may be an indication of the same process there. Thank you, Father, that through my miraculous conception, born of a virgin, fully God, fully man, I can give my life for the sins of humanity. And I want us to listen very carefully, if you would, please. I'm going to read a a fairly lengthy passage of Scripture, and I'm going to be very careful in all seriousness to obey my wife because she constantly tells me, slow down. And she's right. I want you to listen to this with, with earnest ears at what the writer of Hebrews, once again, referenced by Pastor Adam Listen, maybe even with your eyes closed, and hear the word of God. Now, even the first covenant had regulations for worship and an earthly place of holiness. For a tent was prepared, the first section, which, which were the lampstand and the table and the bread of the presence. It is called the holy place. Behind the second curtain was a second section called the most holy place having the golden altar of incense and the Ark of the Covenant covered on all sides with gold in which was a golden urn holding the manna and Aaron's staff that budded. And the tablets of the covenant, above it were the cherubim of glory overshadowing the mercy seat of those things we cannot now speak in detail. Folks, you're standing in the Holy of Holies. These preparations having thus been made, the priests go regularly into the first section, performing the ritual duties, but into the second only the high priest goes, and he but once a year, and not without taking blood which he offers for himself and for the unintentional sins of the people. By this, the Holy Spirit indicates that the way into the holy places is not yet opened as long as the first section is still standing, which is symbolic for the present age. According to this arrangement, gifts and sacrifices are offered that cannot perfect the conscience of the worshiper but deal only with food and drink and various washings, regulations for the body imposed until the time of Reformation. But here we go. Hang on. But when Christ appeared as a high priest of the good things that have come, that through the greater and more perfect tent, not made with hands, that is not of this creation, He entered once for all. I got to pause. Remember, the priest could go once a year. Christ entered once for all. That's all time forevermore into the holy places, not by the means of blood and goats and calves, by the the means of his own blood. Folks, that's got to turn your crank. That should just invigorate us, excite us. Thus securing an eternal redemption. That's the hope that we have. When we refer to the finished work of Jesus Christ, we're not talking just for today or tomorrow. This is forever, never to be repeated, never to be done again only to be recognized and celebrated through this common act of communion. For if the blood of goats and bulls and the sprinkling of defiled persons with the ashes of a heifer sanctify for the purification of the flesh, how much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered himself without blemish to God, purify our conscience from dead works to the serve, the living God. We're reading on. I think this is one of those moments, if I may violate about what I'm going to say, (laughs) sometimes we spend more time talking about the Scripture than hearing the Scripture talk. Therefore, He, Christ, is the mediator of a new covenant, So that those who are called may receive the promise eternal inheritance. Since a death has occurred that redeems them from transgressions committed under the first covenant. For where a will is involved, the death of the one who made it must be established. For a will takes effect only at death. Since it is not in force as long as the one who made it is still alive. Therefore, not even the first covenant was inaugurated without blood. Almost everything is purified with blood. Listen, and without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And all of this, all of this, you see how Christ is woven into the eternal plan of God. Thus it was necessary. For the copies of the heavenly things to be purified with those rites, but the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifices than these. For Christ has not entered into the holy places made with hands, which are copies of the true things, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God on our behalf. Guys, do you see it? Do you see it? He took the blood of the covenant and he stood right in the presence of God and he says, this is for all of creation, all of mankind. I have redeemed them. I have redeemed them with my blood. Nor was it to offer himself repeatedly as the high priest enters the holy places every year with blood not his own for then he would have had to suffer repeatedly since the foundation of the world but as it is he has appeared once for all at the end of the ages to put away sin by sacrifice of himself and just as it is appointed for one man to, for man to die once and after that comes judgment So Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time, not to deal with sin, but to save those who are eagerly waiting for him. Are you ready? Are you ready? Three more verses. Chapter 10, verse 5 through 7. Consequently... When Christ came into the world, he said, Sacrifices and offerings you have not desired, but a body have you prepared for me, the incarnation. In burnt offerings and sin offerings you have taken no pleasure. Then I said, Behold, I have come to do your will, O God. It is written of me in the scroll of the book. My friends, brothers and sisters, These are the greatest words. As great as any word God has given, these are of the greatest that are pinned in this thing we call the Bible. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father, for allowing me to be born so that I could have a body prepared to die. Take this. Take this bread this represents my body. Thank you, Father. Take this cup. This cup represents my blood. The life of the being is in the blood. There is no forgiveness of sins without the shedding of blood. Take and drink. Take and drink. But God had to take on The human form with life giving blood pulsing through his veins and arteries and hearts and lungs. Before he could do this, before he could do this. A desire, a disclosure, number three, a destiny determined in eternity past. But behold, the hand of him who betrays me is with me on the table, for the Son of Man goes as it has been determined but woe to that man by whom he is betrayed. And they began to question one another, which of them it could be who was going to do this. You see, this story is leading to this moment. The story that is leading to this moment did not just begin in Genesis. It was God's plan before the dawn of creation. God would someday send a redeemer, Christ's love for us did not start at the incarnation. He has loved us from forever past. And he will love us for forever future. But something else is clearly evident. There is a betrayer present. As surely as Christ's death was foretold, the betrayal by Judas has also been determined quick comment before christ chose his 12 apostles jesus had spent a whole night in prayer so we must believe and are convinced that it was the father's will that judas be among them but the selection of judas listen to this carefully please the selection of judas did not seal his fate Rather, it gave him opportunity to watch the Lord Jesus closely, believe, and have the opportunity to be saved. God, in his sovereignty, had determined that his son would be betrayed by a friend. But I want you to please understand the statement I'm about to make because in it we find the answer to the mystery of foreknowledge and human will. but divine foreknowledge does not destroy human responsibility or accountability. Judas made each decision freely and would be judged accordingly, even though he still fulfilled the decree of God. Acts 2.23 says, This Jesus, Delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. The sovereignty of God and the free will of man do not contradict. They complement in fulfilling the will of God. Now, I'll let God hold that mystery in his infinite knowledge and be completely satisfied with the answer that I have just given you. One of the purposes of the supper in remembrance of me is a memorial feast to remind the believer that Jesus Christ gave his body and his blood for the redemption of the world. There is no suggestion in this that the supper had any other miraculous manifestations or long-term effects. It was bread and it was wine. The bread remained the bread and the wine remained the wine. And the physical act of receiving the elements did not do anything special to the 11 disciples. When we partake, we identify ourselves with the body and the blood and there is no suggestion that we have received his literal body and his literal blood. The bread and the cup. Are symbolic, but what they represent is of divine origin. A second purpose for the supper is proclaiming his death until he returns. The supper encourages us to to look back with love and adoration so that what he did for us on the cross and to look forward with hope and anticipation at his coming again. We must be careful not to come to the Lord's table with no sin in our lives. Folks, that is a holy moment. We call it an ordinance of the church. I really kind of prefer a a, a more high church declaration and call it a sacrament. I know that sounds a bit Catholic or, or other terminology, but it is a holy, sacred thing that we do and it should never be taken lightly. The third blessing from the supper is a reminder of the unity of the church. In 1 Corinthians 10, 17, we find there is one loaf. The Lord's Supper is not the exclusive property of any Christian denomination or gathering. It was given for the body of Christ. And whenever we share in the supper, we are identifying with Christians everywhere and are reminded of our obligation to keep the unity of spirit and the bond of peace. So, a long journey to get to this question Do you know the Christ of this communion meal? Do you know the Christ of this supper? Do you know him? Can can you even fathom the love that he has extended, the love that he demonstrated and the boldness and the willingness and the great joy he had in this short little prayer of thanking God for the bread which is the body that you gave me, Father. Because of your great gift, I can now be the final, final sacrifice for all time. If you don't know the Christ of this supper meal, then you don't know the Christ of Scripture. And if you're looking forward to seeing Him someday and being at the last big banquet you better make sure you got an invitation because it isn't given to just anyone. It's given to those who repent. Repent and cry out for the mercies of God and say, God, I'm a sinner. I'm a sinner, hopelessly lost, forever separated from your kindness and righteousness and justice. I deserve hell. And if you're willing to admit that and plead the finished work of Jesus Christ as your only hope of forgiveness, boom, I'll see you at the supper table. I'll see you at the supper table. Let's pray. Father, as we conclude this this time of consideration Looking at the brevity of this prayer, but also coming to grips with the fact there could be volumes written about it, and probably has been. But all of that being said, may this one truth prevail as we close our time together Jesus died. Not only for sins, he died for sinners, paying the price of the sins the sinner had committed. By grace, we are saved through faith, not of works that any man should boast. It is a gift of God. For the glory of Christ we pray. Amen. Please stand. We have our invitation.